Okay, so now you've figured out what your spiritual gifts are. Is that it? Is that all there is to it? Are these all the gifts that you're ever going to have? Well, maybe, maybe not. We're going to talk about that today and a lot more on BibleStudyPodcasts.org, starting now. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us today. You are listening to BibleStudyPodcasts.org. Today is Monday, October the 11th of 2010. As always, I'm your host, Toby Logsdon. Welcome. Thank you so much for downloading this message today. We appreciate you being here with us. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. Over the weekend, uh, I kind of just decided that I was feeling good, and I decided to go for a really long run the other day. And man, I am feeling it today. Uh, it was it was like nine miles, which uh, to me, that, that's a lot longer than I've gone up to this point uh, for a few months, just because of the summer heat's just been brutal. But the other night, it was uh, nice and crisp and cool outside and um, you know, in the evening, and I just figured, you know what, I- I'm just going to run for at least an hour and a half. So yeah, I ran for about an hour and a half, and man, it felt good. Um, and as a matter of fact, I just registered for a half marathon for next month down in uh, down in Fort Smith. I'm going to be running in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes half marathon. They're having a, a marathon down there, which doesn't look uh, too challenging. Uh, at least from <laughs> at least from a distance, but uh, you know I'm I'm uh, positive that I'm ready for it because uh, when I was running the other night, man, I I, I just I could have kept going. I felt really good, but uh, but dinner was ready, and so I just figured, yeah, time to time to cut it off at about nine miles, a little bit more than an hour and a half. So anyway, before we get started, I I wanted to let you guys know, give you guys a little bit of an update uh, with Caitlin, and of course last week, you know, I kind of. Uh, I admit, you know, I kind of poured my heart out with you guys. Uh, It it was really still breaking my heart. It was still fresh on my heart and fresh in my mind from the day before. And, uh, well, the latest on Caitlin is uh, last week, in a period of eight hours, she developed a tumor in her throat that would have caused her to asphyxiate, that would have choked her to death. Um, so they rushed her into ICU and, uh, they figured that they figured out that there is a tumor, uh, back there. And within five days, within only five days, it grew to about the size of a plum. And, uh, so they are giving her emergency radiation therapy. Now they were just giving her chemotherapy. Now they're doing chemotherapy and radiation therapy and, um, her heart rate is uh, steadily slowing. So, uh, yeah, please, please, please keep praying for Caitlin and for her mother, Amy. And, um, you know, my, my heart also goes out to Amy. I, I don't know if I told you guys last week. I think I may have. But she was working four jobs up here to make ends meet, and she's lost all of them. So uh, they've got medical bills stacking up. Um, they are uh, in a bad spot. So uh, your prayers are very much appreciated. If any of you are interested in um, in helping them out financially, if God's put a burden on your heart to help them out financially, they have set up an account with um, with a local bank here and uh, a, a Caring for Caitlin account, I guess is what they're calling it. 
And so if you're interested in doing that, if God's put that on your heart, uh, drop me an email. My email is cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com, or you can email me on Facebook. Um, Either way, if you're interested, I will get the information to you. So uh, please do keep praying for both of them, for that whole family, because they are in just an unbelievably bad spot. Anyway, we've got a lesson to do here, and uh, we've got a lot to cover. So let's go ahead and get started with a quick word of prayer. God, we just want to praise you and thank you for who you are today. We know that you are faithful, and Lord, we thank you for giving us this moment, this time, to study your word, to understand who we are and how we can react to the amazing gift of salvation that you've given us. I pray that you will bless this time and use this time to draw us more near to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in our study of the 12th chapter of Romans, we've seen a lot of practical theology, that is, theology put into practice, packed into only a few short verses. Uh, And it's always amazing to me that Scripture can be either as deep or as shallow as the reader uh, is willing to dig, or the student is willing to dig. And I think we've dug well beyond the surface throughout this study of the book of Romans, and I hope that that's been as rewarding for you as it has been for me. Uh, It's been immensely rewarding for me. Uh, But as we've been studying the 12th chapter, we've seen that while theology and and doctrine and things like that are essential and they're, they're fun to study, it's only part of the whole picture. Doctrine should drive our deeds. It should give us a proper perspective of who God is, who we are, and who we're becoming in him. Well, Paul started off this chapter by urging us, as his readers, to present our bodies as what? As a living and holy sacrifice, which is pleasing to God. And it's significant to note that we're capable of doing anything that's pleasing to God. It's it's significant to note that we're, we're able to do anything at all to please God, because that's not the picture of humanity that Paul presented to us back in the first three chapters of this letter. The difference between the first three chapters and the twelfth chapter is what's found in the chapters in between. And so thus, we must realize that it's only because of what Jesus did on our behalf and how our nature has been destroyed and replaced that we're able to do anything at all that pleases God. So the fact that the nature of the unregenerate hasn't been destroyed or replaced explains why the natural man is incapable of pleasing God. Well, we've seen that Paul likens all believers to a body. That's what we covered in our last lesson. Each believer is gifted for a different function within the body of believers. And thus, it's essential for us as followers of Christ to have a healthy and proper or correct understanding of our giftedness. And this requires that we walk with humbleness, because if we think too highly of ourselves, we'll experience tremendous difficulty in growing in Christ as we try to fill roles that the Holy Spirit didn't design us or gift us to fill. And on the other hand, on the other end of the spectrum, if you will, if we think too lowly of ourselves, we're prone to, you know, kind of sit on the sidelines, so to speak, making church into something of a spectator 
event. And uh, I don't mean to offend anyone, but sitting on the sidelines isn't an official function in the church. It's not a gifting. Uh, (laughs) For better or worse, there is no gift of complacency mentioned in all of Scripture. Although, if you were to look at a lot of our churches, you'd think that that's exactly what 90% or so of the congregation felt called and gifted to do. Well, because we're all like one body, we also have to remember that we need each other. We're designed to function in harmony as a unit with one another, and we should hold unity within the body above any non-essential doctrines of Christianity. And that's the key there, non-essential doctrines of Christianity. At the same time, however, we also have to hold unity slightly below our essential doctrines because eternity is at stake with the essential doctrines. I mean, if somebody teaches a false gospel, Paul told the Galatian church that they're to what? They're to disassociate themselves from that teacher. That's from Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. Because, you see, it's more important to correct false understandings and false theology and false teachings of the essential elements of our faith than it is for us to display unity with those who deny our central beliefs. As the saying goes, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. And that's exactly the way that we as the body of Christ, should be described. So, in our previous lesson, we talked about the importance of identifying, understanding, and growing in our giftedness. To clarify, when we're talking about the gifting of the Holy Spirit, we're not referring to the Holy Spirit himself as the gift. Rather, we're talking about things like skills, uh, abilities, and passions that he gave us when he filled us and sealed us with the promise of salvation. So having discussed the importance of this subject already, Paul proceeds to identify some of the gifts that he's talking about. And so thus he writes in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts In his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So the first thing that we should note here, looking at what Paul's written here, the first thing that we should note is that Paul's telling us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, by the way, who gifts us, uh, that Paul has been inspired to tell us that we each have different gifts, which are given in accordance to the grace given to us. Now, notice that it doesn't say that some of us have gifts. No, we've all got gifts. The word we here in verse 6 is inclusive of each and every believer, each and every follower of Jesus. But our gifts differ from each other. We're uniquely gifted. There's nobody who has all of the gifts. Now, imagine what that would do to the body of believers. One might be tempted to ask, well, why didn't the Holy Spirit just give us all of the gifts? Why didn't he give each believer all of the gifts? And that's a good question. Whether we had one person who was gifted to do everything, or if we were all gifted to do everything, this would just be a recipe for disaster. Why? Because it would diminish, if not completely destroy, the need that we have for each other. I mean, why put 20 or 30 people to work on a project if we could just have one and let the other Uh, what, 19 or 29, sit around and watch. The fact is that if we were all gifted for everything, 
99% of us would settle into complacency while 1% of us got worked to death. You know, I was recently reading something called Death by Ministry, and it was a, a blog written by Pastor Mark Driscoll. Um, it's a blog about how pastors are so prone to experiencing burnout, and he notes that there are 1,500 pastors, yes, 1,500 pastors who leave the ministry every month, whether that's due to moral failure or uh, spiritual burnout or contention within their churches. 1,500 per month. That's 18,000 people leaving the ministry every year. He also noted that, quote, 80% of pastors and 84% of their spouses felt unqualified and discouraged in their roles as pastors, end quote. Not only that, but studies have revealed that, quote, 80% of seminary and Bible school graduates who enter the ministry will leave the ministry within the first five years, end quote. Why? Why is there such incredible burnout for pastors and ministry leaders? Well, for the most part, it's because the vast majority of churches don't care what Paul or anyone else wrote. They're called to complacency, and thus the responsibility for absolutely everything falls on one person's shoulders, the pastor. The pastor is thus forced to wear a variety of masks and fill a variety of roles where nobody else will volunteer. See, the expectations for a pastor are usually unreasonably high, and filling roles that we're not gifted to fill is spiritually and emotionally exhausting for any of us, pastors or whoever we are. It sometimes includes, but not always, it sometimes goes beyond, but sometimes it includes being overworked and underpaid. I mean, listen, we all know that the quickest uh, way from point A to point B is a straight line, right? It's just as true, however, that the quickest way from enthusiasm to burnout is to pretend to be something or someone that you're not gifted to be and to carry the weight of that facade day after day, after day, for years. Burnout in ministry, friends, burnout in ministry is real, and it's usually the result of a pastor or ministry leader buckling under the weight of unrealistic expectations. Now, the point here is that contrary to popular opinion and contrary to the 1940s, 1950s model of ministry leadership, the pastor is not designed to be a jack of all trades. He's not gifted to do everything that needs to be done within the church. See, we're all gifted and we're all called to ministry, each and every one of us. We're gifted differently for the sake of working and growing in harmonious unity. So Paul then moves on to list some specific ways in which people could be gifted. Now, we should note that this list isn't exhaustive or comprehensive by any means. In fact, there are other lists of uh, other gifts elsewhere in Scripture, especially in 1 Corinthians. But no, Paul is only listing a few gifts here. In fact, there's no one single place in the Bible where all of the spiritual gifts are listed. Why do you think that is? Well, really, all we can do is speculate, right? But I would think that it's because maybe the Holy Spirit didn't want us to think that we had to be limited by a list. I mean, it's entirely possible that there are spiritual gifts which aren't specifically mentioned in Scripture. And we can't really say one way or the other if that's actually the case, but it's at least a possibility as long as a spiritual gifting doesn't contradict what's revealed as truth in the Bible. 
So Paul sets forth a few examples for us here. First, he says that if someone has the gift of prophecy, the spiritual gift of prophecy, they should exercise it according to the proportion of their faith. Now, this whole gift, this whole subject is kind of sticky for a lot of people in our day and age, mainly due to the fact that there's a lot of misunderstanding of what all is involved with the gift of prophecy. See, in our day and age, we think of a prophet as someone who was able to correctly foretell future events. And this is something that, um, you know, I've always scored fairly high on whenever I took spiritual gifts tests. And I always rejected that outcome because, you know, I've never foretold the future. Well, like a lot of people, I just didn't understand what the gift of prophecy is exactly. Yes, many of the prophets whose stories are found in the Old Testament were able to correctly foretell future events, but we have to realize that this was only part of what made someone a prophet. More times than not, a prophet actually didn't foretell the future. Instead, most of the time, they were simply acting as the mouthpiece for God. Their responsibility, their calling, uh, was to speak God's truth into the lives of other people. Now, this is undeniably something that we still need in the church today. This is something that we still need in the body of Christ. And the Holy Spirit gives us people who are gifted to do that. If you've ever felt like the Holy Spirit was just kind of kind of bursting forth from you and you had to speak truth to someone, even though it might seem like it was kind of you know, out of nowhere. It's possible that you're gifted for prophecy. But we should also note that Paul says that the person gifted for prophecy is to use it, quote, according to the proportion of his faith. What does that mean? Well, honestly, that's a, a kind of confusing phrase, but another way of translating this would be to say in agreement to the faith. So what it means is that whatever a person who's gifted with prophecy says must line up with what scripture says. The moment they contradict scripture, uh uh-uh, that doesn't fly. Now, the second gift that Paul mentions here is service. Now, if you bring this word up or this gifting up with a group of people who would prefer to be complacent, they'll get maybe a little smile on their face as if they're saying, see, I don't have the gift of service. I'm not gifted to serve. Well, (laughs) I'd have to argue that uh, service is kind of a broad term, but Paul's using it in a very narrow and very specific way here. See, the Greek word for service is the same word that we derive the English word deacon from. Uh, The Greek word that gets translated for service in general is kind of different. So no, this isn't an opportunity to make an excuse for not serving. No excuses here. You know, excuses are the nails that build the house of a sinful life. The sense that Paul is using this term in refers specifically to ministry. To serve, in this sense, means to minister. When the apostles, for example, were becoming overburdened by the amount of work that needed to be done to minister to people, what did they do? Did they stretch themselves even further? No, they found seven men who were fit to minister to others. In fact, Luke plays a little bit of a word game with this Greek word in the sixth chapter of Acts. Uh, Here in the first verse of the sixth chapter, we read, quote, Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. 
End quote. Now hold on to that for just a second. So they call the body of believers together and they let them know that they need help and they ask them to appoint seven men uh, of good reputation who were full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. And then they say, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the serving of the word. It's the same word there used in verse 1 and verse 4. Serving of the food and serving of the word. And this is just something that we might miss reading this in English. But the word is the same. The seven men were to be apt for ministry to others. One doesn't need to be of good repute or filled with the spirit or filled with wisdom just to serve food. That's not what it was about. It was primarily about ministering to others, not food. Serving food was their way of serving others. It was their ministry. So in this sense, it doesn't refer to service in general. Rather, it refers to working under the leadership and directly ministering to others. Third, Paul mentions the gift that I usually score the highest on uh, out of all the gifts, and that is the gift of teaching. Unfortunately, For me, that is, unfortunately, this is one of the more strenuous tasks that the Holy Spirit will gift a believer to do. And you know what? It's dangerous because there are good teachers and there are bad teachers. You can teach good things and you can teach bad things. And there are eternal consequences to teaching either one. And the Bible tells us that teachers are held to the highest of standards for that reason. We don't take truth or falsehood lightly in the church. Knowing this to be true, James wrote, quote, Let not many of you become teachers, my brothers, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. That's from James chapter 3, verse 1. So the idea, if you ask me, the idea of coming under a stricter judgment should make any teacher shudder and think twice about teaching without thoroughly preparing beforehand. But James didn't just leave it at that. He clarified, writing, quote, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. That's from verses 2 to 4 in uh, chapter 3 of James. So the fact is, James tells us, we're like a rudder. We teachers are like a rudder that directs a ship in that our teachings will steer people's lives, their ideas, their thoughts, which in turn directs their actions, one way or another. And so therefore, the gift of teaching is one that has incredibly dangerous consequences, potentially. However, I must say, it also has the potential to be a source of incredible blessing. But before we move on to the next gift that Paul mentions here, we need to make note of something. See, whatever you're gifted for right now, isn't necessarily the limit of your gifting. Let me say that again. Whatever you're gifted for right now isn't necessarily the limit of your gifting. And in fact, I would say that it's probably not. And I would urge you to not only grow in the gifting that you already have, but to seek more to grow by. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean the same thing that Paul did when he told the Corinthians to earnestly desire the greater gifts. That's from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. Earnestly desire the greater gifts. It's okay to desire to do more with your gifting and to ask the Holy Spirit to increase your gifting. So when you see a gift like teacher or, you know, whatever, 
and you know that you're not necessarily gifted that way, don't let that be enough to stop you from desiring the gift of teaching. And I think that it's in light of this principle that the author of Hebrews kind of scolded his audience, writing, by this time, you ought to be teachers. That is plural for you. You all ought to be teachers. Did you catch that? Do you hear that? You ought to be teachers. He's writing to all of the body of Christ. It applies to each one of us. Yes, some of us are specifically gifted to teach, but we all, every single one of us, we all have the ability to teach someone else. We can all talk about a sermon. We can all talk about a spiritual truth with somebody else. And you know what? This is telling us that not only can we, but that we should. It's something that we should just be keeping in mind. Who are we going to teach? How are we going to teach them? We should all be teachers. The fourth gift that Paul mentions here is the gift of exhortation. We all need someone like this in our lives, by the way. Um, Somebody who is gifted with exhortation. Somebody who has the gift of exhortation has this gift of coming alongside other believers and comforting or encouraging them. It's someone like this who lovingly nudges you to be all that God has designed you to be. In the book of Acts, Luke tells us about a man named Joseph who served as one of Paul's main partners in ministry. You know anything about Joseph? Does his name sound familiar? Well, you're probably not as familiar with a character named Joseph in the book of Acts as you are with Barnabas. In fact, it's the same person. Joseph is Barnabas. His name was Joseph, but they called him Barnabas, which, when translated literally, meant son of encouragement. Why do you think they called him that? Because he was an encourager. He was gifted with the gift of exhortation. He had a way of seeing things beyond the way that humanity sees things and to see things as God sees them. When the apostles, for example, didn't want to come near to Paul because they were afraid of this guy who'd been persecuting all the Christ followers, it was Barnabas. It was Barnabas who, Luke tells us, quote, took hold of him, and that is Paul, and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. So when nobody else in the whole world would vouch for Paul, Barnabas did because he wanted to see Paul become all that God had designed him to be. So Barnabas is actually the perfect example of someone who had been given the gift of exhortation. Fifth, Paul mentions the gift of giving. Now, some people are simply more easily able to hold their possessions with an open hand rather than a clenched fist. And that's what he's talking about with the gift of giving. They're great stewards with the things that God has given them. They're willing to let go of things. They love to be generous, and then some. And this is another one of those gifts that we should all strive to have. And it's something that characterized just about the entire early church uh, based on descriptions and acts, which uh, you know is a place where Luke tells us they shared all things among themselves. That takes a gift of giving. Sixth, Paul lists the gift of leadership, and this is closely tied to the gift of teaching, but there's not always necessarily a connection between the two. There are great teachers who aren't gifted as leaders, and there are great leaders who aren't very gifted as teachers. So the leader is just the person who sets the course for the ship, so to speak, for example, while the teacher instructs the people on board in the art of rowing in accordance with the destination that's been set by the leader. I hope that makes sense. 
Seventh and finally, I know we're going through these quickly, but we're kind of running out on time here. Uh, seventh and finally, Paul mentions the gift of mercy. The person who's gifted with mercy is the type of person who recognizes people's suffering, and they're able to sympathetically comfort them in the way that the suffering person needs to be comforted. They're able to read and understand people and see things from another person's point of view that the average person just doesn't see. They're able to show care and compassion in a way that restores a person from their distress, whatever it may be caused by. So in closing, friends, remember that this is just a sample of the possible gifts that you might have. Looking carefully at this list of gifts that Paul's given us here, we can see that Paul has listed two types of gifts in this section, those relating to our actions and those related to our speech. So let me ask you, how do your actions reflect the new nature in Christ that you've been given? And what about your speech? Does it reflect the grace that you've been shown? It's important that we remember that these gifts aren't just for the sake of having. We don't just collect them and let them sit there, kind of like you do with baseball cards. No, they're for using. They're for putting into action. So friends, let me encourage you. Seek the greater gifts. Pray for the Holy Spirit to teach you how to use them and to give you more than you already have. Seek the higher gifts. Use whatever gifts you have for the purpose of edifying and building up the body of Christ and for developing a deeper walk with our Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for sending your Son to die for us, to give us a new nature. And Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that the Holy Spirit has bestowed upon us. Lord, I do pray that you will help each one of us to understand, to identify and understand and grow in our gifts. Bring us deeper, Lord. Bring us deeper in our love for you, in our understanding of you, of our understanding of your word. Lord, teach us to be more like you. That is our greatest desire. May our light shine for you, Lord, because we love you. And may it increase in its brightness as we learn to use the gifts that you've given each one of us. Thank you so much for this time. I pray that you will bless and preserve this message for your own glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This message has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org. We are a listener-supported ministry. If this is your first time listening to us, we thank you so much for joining us and we ask nothing further from you. But if this is a ministry that you rely on for regular spiritual teaching, we do depend on your financial support to keep us going and growing. If you'd like to make a donation to BibleStudyPodcast.org to keep us going and reaching thousands of people around the world, you can go to our website, BibleStudyPodcasts.org. And you can make a donation on the right-hand side by clicking on the support box. Again, we do rely on your support, and we thank you so much for your financial participation in this ministry, which enables us to continue in our mission of teaching timeless truths in these truthless times. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today, and keep growing closer to Jesus. More beautiful, higher.